Hey, what's up, family? Josh here. Welcome back to the Still Searching Podcast. It has been over two months since I've released any new episodes, and I'm glad to be back. I was in a funk. I was stuck. I was depressed. Couldn't release anything. Couldn't get guests in the studio, and um, was just sort of in this sunken place uh, in a way. Um but I got inspired the last few weeks by so much stuff that's been going on. And um, I love finding new podcasts. I found a new one that just kind of lit a fire uh, uh, to get mine going again. Um, PTSD, Put the Stress Down. Uh, a friend Dave was on that one and I discovered it and I just love it. So anyways, that got me going again. I'm just so picky. I, I love to have people in the studio to get you know a solid recording and I'm just kind of over the phone thing but sometimes you have to do it i actually scrapped one with uh with a friend of mine that i just wasn't ready to put out because i didn't like the audio but i'm back i have a special guest today kelly ravenscraft from mission hills church we talk about um black lives matter lgbtq um theology uh protesting everything we actually had a protest at our church and it was amazing and she was down for that she was here from she's living in san diego and i had her come into the uh, trap house and we just recorded this one so thank you guys for sticking with me um season two is shaping up we're getting ready to put i'm putting together some really cool ideas for season two some new stuff um might even have a co-host so we're, we're playing around with that I haven't released anything in about five or six weeks, but I have on, on this podcast, but I have been on the Source podcast, which is a, a podcast that I produce for about the last five or six weeks. And so if you want to hear my thoughts on everything that's going on with the pandemic, um, everything that's been going on with Black Lives Matter, with police injustice, brutality, systematic racism, oppression. So I've been talking about all that stuff on the Source. So check that out. I'll put a link in the notes. But thank you guys. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. Shout out to my pops, Josh Vi, still supporting. <laughs> Even two months of not putting anything out, they're still supporting. Um, so let's get ready for this conversation with Kelly. We had a, an awesome time. And um, thank you guys. Hope you guys enjoy this episode here with Kelly Ravenscraft. Shout out to Salty Beats for this track. Thanks, homie. Want to freestyle on this? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that cool. I told you. <laughs> oh, you dancing though? Hey. Get it? Hey, we got Kelly in the house. She's getting her groove on right now. Get it, girl. I wish you guys could see this. I can, I can actually stream video too, but yeah. next time. Shout out to Mark Rublay. I just put Kelly on to Mark Rublay. Now she just she's absolutely in love. Obsessed. <laughs> so. The only man I'll ever love. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Besides Jesus. Besides Jesus. <laughs> Jesus first. Always leave room for Jesus. Oh man. 
Kelly, thank you so much for coming into the trap house today. Thank so you. Excited. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you. You want to have the air on or do you mind the noise? Either way, I'm all good. All right. I don't mind it. Keep I can on. filter it out at the end when we in post, I think. <laughs> so um, I have a very special guest in the house, Callie Ravenscroft, right? That's Craft, me. Ravenscroft, Ravenscroft, whatever flavor you want to give yeah. it, yeah. you know, we're good with it. So um, we just came back from a protest, Mission Hills Community Church protests, and it was it was one of the first, actually, I think this is the first protest that I kind of, I guess, organized. I don't want to say, I don't want to take really any, I just said, hey, let's just come out. And everybody just came out. We had Still, a great time. Yeah, no, you put it together. People showed out, but got to have a vision for it. So. Yeah. How was that? Was That was amazing. It was. It really was. To have folks that you know, that you cherish, that you've done life with together. It's a whole different ballgame to be able to be accompanied by people you really know um, out in a protest than to be in a street with you know, thousands of strangers. Both are amazing opportunities. Yeah. But I think it, it does personalize it a little bit to know that the people that I'm standing next to are people that I truly care about, care about and want to see and want to show up for. I mean, we do have a diverse community, which is amazing. And I think that just brings it home so much more. And so to be able to stand on a street corner together in that and to be a church that does that. Yeah. You don't always find that. It was amazing. Um, And and, and I also love just seeing the people that I've never seen before too show up. It was amazing. There was another church, like a black community church that came out. Yeah. And we're with Hope us. House. Hope House. Shout out to Hope House. I didn't even know they were coming, but so glad they were there because my voice was going and they stepped up and yep. jumped in there. We were on the ride home and we were talking about you. Like you were like leading those chants. You were like putting, you were putting some. Mm. You got to put soul behind some yes, of those. Yeah. You were, yeah. So it was good. So our voices are a little raspy. So you just get to indulge in the, in the rasp. Yes. This podcast. Yes. <laughs> So, um, Kelly, I wanted to to have you on. I actually wanted to talk to you even before quarantine and everything that's been going on, just to just to hear your story. This podcast is about, you know, just the stories that shape us on, you know, life. You know how we end up where we, where we're at, the intersections of which we meet. Um, me, you know, my background is like I would never have pictured myself. I'll be you know, in a LGBTQ affirming church meeting you and just amazing people. Cause we both have a similar background. I think we do. We grew up in, in the, in a strong evangelical type of environment, church, churchy thing and all kinds of stuff. So we were kind of catching up about some of that. So we met at mission Hills. How did you get here? Tell me about your story. Yeah. Um, you're a Where worship you leader. I mean, you're a, you're a worship leader. You have an amazing voice right now. Before you started, you kind of were letting something out. I was like, oh man, nice. I got to record that. But, but you're a chaplain. You, um, you, you do all kinds of stuff. So let's, let's talk about it. All the things. Yeah. Man. I mean, if you, I feel like to get to where I am now, we'll have to backtrack a little bit yeah, to fill in, fill in all those, uh, gaps. But yeah, like you grew up actually attending a few different denominations. So 
my background gives me a little taste of Lutheran, a little mm. taste of Pentecostal, a little taste of fundamentalist, evangelical. Just got the whole Everything. array of dishes, which as an Enneagram 7, I'm all about. You yeah. know, you don't want to skimp out on any, any option. <laughs> um, but it led me to a really strange place with faith because I had all these different inputs and not really any way to process what it all meant. I mm. knew that I was supposed to believe in Jesus and be this like Bible thumping, you know, purity culture mm. woman who yeah. is going to stand next to her husband, who's going to be the preacher and I'm going to be leading all the women's small groups and, <laughs> you know, leading our children in the right way. Um, it's and, like a, a princess dream, but in a, in a weird churchy thing. Yes, very <laughs> much. It's like kind of cultish, but like yeah. also, you know, it's fine. And I, I love it for other people that that is their path. Um, but mine has always been a little unconventional, to mm. say the least. Um, having grown up in that space, I was homeschooled for eight years, for the first eight years of my education. Went to Lutheran school for one year and then was dumped into public school, which was quite the transition yeah. for a little, little high school Kelly. And then attended Loyola for my undergrad. Um, and all of those things, I really wasn't sure what my path was going to be. I thought I was going to be a biology researcher mm. stuck in some lab yeah. somewhere, which I think after you, you knowing me for a little bit now probably doesn't make sense no. in your picture of who I am or <laughs> where I am now. Um, so it's, you know, there's all those with pieces. Like yeah. Petri dishes. <laughs> exactly. Right. Just like, you know, mixing them up. Let's see if we can get a new frequency, you know. Um, but I was always super involved in church. I was always part of worship in some way. Mm. Um, and that was amazing. I've actually, I've never taken a voice class. I've never had formal training, but just had it in the church setting. Um, so I really learned what it was to lead worship first before it was to learn how to sing. Um, but that has completely shaped my journey in my faith, in my identity, how I show up into spaces. Um, I, started to realize I had I had moments early on in my childhood that I realized that maybe I wasn't straight um but it wasn't until college that I had to finally reconcile with that mm. and there was this picture of what my life was supposed to look like and feel like and be that I was living into in a lot of ways of worked at a really conservative Christian camp mm. was uh discipling younger students in my campus ministry, was leading worship, was all of these things, checking all these boxes. But there were the other parts of me that I had yeah. kind of packed away and they kind of kept nudging me a little bit until finally there was just no doing anything else outside of sitting down in the crap, in the middle of the shit and yeah. going through it. Um, and for me, to have grown up in a space where it was fundamental, fundamentalist, um, had some people who had spoken pretty directly that any LGBTQ person was not going to be accepted in that church or by God, that you were destined straight to hell, yeah. fire and brimstone, the whole nine yards. Right. You get to a point where now you, you don't know what are you going to give up? Are you going to give up that version of a faith? Are you going to give up part of yourself? Like where, wow. where are you going to find yourself? Um, yeah. Or are you going to just let yourself go completely? Um, which unfortunately I've seen people go that path as well. 
Um, just abandon their their they have their who they faith, are. who they are, their absolutely, or even their love for God. Like yes, you love God, but now your church is telling you no, you you're going to hell. Right. So if you <laughs> want to be able to express a side of yourself, you're going to have to give up something, wow. um, which to me is just completely ridiculous because what I've seen folks like LGBTQ people in churches, what I've seen are good fruits, right? Like if we're going to use a verse out of context, (laughs) might as well be that one. But to see that when people were affirmed for who they are, there was just more affirmation. There was more love. There was a higher rate of survival for people who were LGBTQ. Um, and honestly, for most of y'all's churches, like if <laughs> if one Sunday, like all the queer people were not allowed to show up, you'd not have a choir. Right. You would not have an organ player. Say goodbye now. Like y'all going to go acapella. And it's not going to be a fun time. But all that to say, um, I found myself kind of in a in a pickle of where where am I going to go with this? Do I give up my faith? Do I lean into this identity? Do I just erase it and pretend and try to be straight the rest of my life? Live a live a lie. 100%. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been the first and I probably won't be the last if I had decided to go that path, but it got to a point where I like I firmly still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the voice of God in really tangible physical ways mm. and for nights on end my senior year of college would just like cry out to God of like, God, what do you think of me? Like, I need to hear your voice. Like, if this is bad, if this is not of you, then just like tell me and it's fine. I'll try to clean up my ways. And every time it was just this affirmation of, I love you. I made you like, why you still ask me about it? Yeah. Like, that's not the answer that I want. I want the written out like hall pass of that. I can go and show all my fundamentalist preachers that taught me otherwise. Because that would just make life a little bit easier. Um, But to get that kind of affirmation and to then have to do the work and basically have a seminary level understanding of LGBTQ verses and what that looks like in the Bible, just to prove that I had a place at the table Hmm. to have the conversation, not even to prove my acceptance or belonging, but just to get into that room was difficult. And to manage that as, especially as a woman who wanted to go into ministry, yeah, just add a whole another level to that. Right. So. That that alone, you're going to run into barriers. <laughs> right. Yeah. The the number of times that I've heard the verses, well, you know, you you're not keep, you're yeah. never going to be able to be an elder, so therefore, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so keep your head covered and be quiet. You right. That's <laughs> that's all I get. It's fine. But once you have all those markers, and there's different markers in churches, right? Yeah. If you're this, sit down. If you were that, sit down. And then usually what ends up happening, right, is now you have a room full of white guys still standing, and mm. that's it. Right. What has continued to shape not only the politics, but the history of the church, the acceptance, the the table. Mm. Like, that's what that's been. Yeah. But, like, y'all, Jesus was black, yeah. Like Jesus was pro woman. There's so many things that we can now point to, right, that are hard to grasp when it is a different context than what we're living in now. Um, but to see this like radical Jesus that 
if he was here today, I would think he would have joined us at the protest. I would think that he would have been leading it from the get-go. And the graphics by, I don't know if you've seen Naked Pastor on Instagram. Yeah. Like all of those, I think, like really illustrate the heart of who Jesus is Mm. um, and what I continue to believe. Even as I continue to deconstruct faith, deconstruct the theologies that I grew up around and in, like I have had to let myself do some damage to those foundations and kind of crack the structure and start building from the ground up again. But what I will hold on to is that radical picture of a Jesus who showed up, who Mm. was fighting for justice, who was doing tangible things day in and day out to prove that it wasn't just words on a platform. It wasn't just, let me get on this mega church stage and convince 2000 of you that God is love and that's it. End of story. I I always say like, you want to know what the gospel is? Like look at the gospels. Yeah. (laughs) You'll see action. Totally. You'll see Jesus in action. I'm like, that's the gospel. Yeah. You're seeing it. Yeah. The gospel is the gospels. You hit on so much already right there. Like just in like those few minutes, <clears throat> you mentioned deconstruction. We talk about, I've talked about it a lot on, on this podcast of going through my own deconstruction and how I ended up, you know, at Mission Hills and, um, and then the, the kind of sticky place it leaves me because I'm still connected to so many people that are in the evangelical world. And, you know, even the last, the last few months with, with, uh, with, COVID-19, you hear all this stuff of like, oh my God, like they're shutting down the church. Um, my religious liberties are being infringed upon. <clears throat> and these are all people on my timeline, you know, and and then and then to this, oh, all lives matter, you know, and well, you know, yeah, yeah, we understand, but yeah, but all lives matter, you know, and it's, it's we're missing, we're totally missing the point. Um, <clears throat> So can you talk a little bit more about um, your deconstruction and and then kind of specifically like your family? How does your family treat you when you came out um, being in, you know, and still wanting to be in ministry? <laughs> That's a lot. It's fine. Just like a few questions. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah. Let me tell you, deconstruction is lonely work. Yeah. Um. And no one can do it for you. It's your own journey. And even if someone has written something about their deconstruction process, it's probably not going to look much like your own. Because for me, like my starting point really was like atonement theory Mm. and figuring out and like asking the question of, okay, but why, like, why did it happen this way? Why was death necessary? Why would it work like this? who was being paid, right? Like all these things. Why did God send himself to kill himself to to pay himself? It's a really strange concept. (laughs) And once you start, it's very hard to go backwards. I, so during my first bit of chaplaincy, we talked about what it's like to try to go back to sleep once you're awake. Mm. Once you've seen something, it's very hard to forget that truly. Like if it's something that is so, so impactful that has now changed how you think about the world, it's very hard to go backwards on that. But when you're stepping forwards and then there are people who are still behind or don't realize that they 
want or need to take a step. It's like convincing someone that they're not the hero of their story, which can be sometimes a very difficult thing to go about. Um, I really struggled when I did come out with my family um, because, again, I think part of it was they had to grieve Mm. that the story, that picture that mm. of my life that we had kind of all co-created um, wasn't going to be exactly how it turned out. I right. wasn't going to, you know, ride on a horse away with some tall blonde dude and like <laughs> start a house church, like yeah. with all similar view evangelical people. Um, that wasn't how it was going to be, even though that picture had kind of been painted within my family already. And they had to take that time to grieve that. Um, and I think it hit it hit differently for different people in my family. Mm. I have two older brothers. They're eight and ten years older than me, um, oh, wow. which definitely it made me grow up pretty quickly. I've always been a little more mature for my age or have come across as older because um, I had to grow up kind of quickly. Um, my dad has always been like a really strong support. My mom and I have had a difficult relationship in general. And so when everything kind of started to come out, well, first I came out to my parents and it was the day that I got home from my last day of work at this conservative Christian camp, mm. which for three months had been hearing like homophobic jokes. Yeah. Couldn't say anything because if I came out, I would be fired, but I was the director of a team. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, I'm already under that stress. I was like, I'm just going to do it. They picked <laughs> me up. I told them, mom, dad, this is me. This is what's happening. This is why I changed seminaries because I was also in the search for seminary at the time and almost went to one that still practices conversion therapy. Thankfully dodged that one um, and ended up at a really awesome university. But they reacted really well at first um, and then needed time to process Mm. and did go through a period of time with my mom trying to remove me from the family, um, which was really painful, right? To have someone of your family tell you, no, you no longer belong to this unit um and a lot of that came out of pain too right so it's it's hard you can't just look at something objectively like it doesn't happen in a vacuum um but that also causes you to kind of pause and say like is this really worth it Mm. is this really worth sticking to my ground and to my identity and for me it was i went into that conversation expecting the worst so i wouldn't be disappointed which it's not an easy thing to consider either. Uh, with my brothers, had kind of a different experience. One was like, "Yeah, I'm all, I'm all in. Like, you will always have a safe place for you and your partner, whenever whoever that is." Mm. The other one, who is a Baptist preacher, need a little more time and a little yeah. more conversation that we're still <laughs> going through. Yeah, yeah. But like to have that willingness to be in conversation when we are so polar opposite. And right. our like expression of faith, our politics, like t- for it to happen in one family and just to be on two different sides of the the spectrum, it's both beautiful because it makes you do that messy work, but it's also really hard. And that's why I firmly believe that both conservative churches and progressive churches can't silo. Mm. Like even if we're over here, like pro LGBTQ, actively anti-racist, all of those things. If we're just 
siloing ourselves off and saying we're the good guys. Right. Those conservatives we came from are the bad guys. Right. We've now done the exact same thing that they have. It's just that the roles are flipped. Right. And that is not where change is going to happen. It is the messy work where people of all places of the spectrum are coming together and having conversation. Do I technically believe that there is a right answer that is pro-LGBTQ and anti-racist, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's why things like All Lives Matter is not a right answer. It's not acknowledging the humanity. It's not acknowledging the privilege that's happening in that conversation. But it sometimes does take work yeah. to get there. Yeah. And I, I think, man, now that you're saying that, that's where I always find myself in. And I don't want to be there. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I don't want to be there. It's like, but I'm there Mm -hmm. and I have to have these conversations. We were talking earlier. I had a friend come out who, you know, yesterday was feeding our local um, police department, you know, and then he came out today. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, there's that tension. I get it. And he actually asked me, he's like, hey, should I, should I, uh, should I post that I'm going to be, I'm like, bro, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, it's just me, but do what you want. You know, it's a free country, but, um, his wife wanted to get involved. I'm like, just come out to our protest. And they came out. So that's a step. It's messy. It is messy. You know, I wonder how he feels like yeah. being in that environment one day and then being out here saying our streets, whose streets, our streets, black lives matter, say his name, mm-hmm. say her name. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, that it, but that's what needs to happen. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting reading books like, uh, the spiritual migration and things like that, that are this gentle, like walking you through, not just like, here's your starting point way over here in a super conservative space. And we're going to get you to like far left progressive, like right. complete switch. It, <clears throat> it does have to be these these steps that take place can't all happen at once, but sometimes it feels like you're taking one step forward, two two steps steps back. Right. That's what we talked about on Wednesday. Yep, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes together. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned like theologically, that's one thing that I've, I told Ryan this, I'm like, Ryan, I don't know why, but I, I know I'm affirming like why, you know, I can't tell you why, I just feel it. I know it. But, you know, growing up in our circles, like we have to prove it from scripture. So let's talk about that. Like um, the Bible, right? The Bible, number one, I always say the Bible is like the biggest stumbling block in our churches. Like we place it in such a high pedestal without like you're placing it literally. You're, it's almost it's like, an idol. It's an idol. It's exactly what I was going to say. It's an idol when you're placing it above above Jesus. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. What do you think about that? <laughs> I'll repeat a couple of things I said on Wednesday. Cause yeah. I think it's such an important point to make of for me when I was going through that process of like figuring out, oh yes, I feel affirmed in my queer identity and being a Christian and being able to love God and be loved by God. I had to do all of that work to prove it via scripture because that was like the language Mm. that my family my circles churches would understand it was like i had to prove it it's like trying to like being an american and you travel abroad to a country that like doesn't speak english but then just being like 
actually, I'm just going to speak English and y'all need to, you know, figure learn. out what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> or, and then, but the opposite happens. Like if someone's coming from the other country, right? English is still privileged here in the US. So, like, they are still the ones doing the work. And that's kind of what it felt like a little bit of like, I have to do the work so I can meet them where they're at, even if they're not returning that mm -hmm. favor. Um, and I learned quite a lot theologically mm -hmm. about different ways to understand. There's these seven so-called clobber passages where it supposedly talks about like LGBTQ exclusion and why they're all going to hell and how God has condemned them. When you read into it further, you see like in certain passages, like that's not actually what's being condemned. The word homosexual didn't even make it into the Bible till 1941. Mm. Um, it was created and implemented onto the language because that was like the closest thing that they had for the Greek translation. And so it's like you see, you see that happening. Of, what was the translation they were trying to? I for, it was like for a couple of them, it depended on the context, but mm. for one of them, it was talking about like men who laid with boys. Right. Because that was big in, Tot in, in the, in the um, huge cultural thing, right, right? For priests, older men to abuse boys. Like, I would agree that's something that's really sinful, but that's yeah. not what homosexuality is. Right. Right. But that was the closest word that was able to be put onto it. Um, in like Old Testament passages, it was more a question of hospitality and again, things like rape that were happening versus like two people of the same gender that actually love each other and also are affirming God in their life and their relationship, right? Like very, very different yeah. scenarios. I heard somewhere, even when I wasn't, you know, um, when I was still like really conservative of that. David and Jonathan were gay. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I heard that like long time ago. The way that it's And I was like, written, what? Yeah. yeah. Like there's, it's really funny kind of looking back now on some certain scriptures. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I could totally make this gay. Like this is totally, yeah, there's some signs here. My gaydar is just gaydar. going off. Let's go. <laughs> but it is. And I, I, it depends on what you're willing to see. If yeah. you don't want to see that in the Bible, then right. you're not going to. It's yeah. confirmation bias right there. Right. Um, and so learning that language, presenting that to my family, right, or right. to church authorities, sometimes it went well, other times it didn't. I get people, I actually had someone this morning messaging me on Instagram because I'm very open now on all my social media. This girl from Brazil found mm. my Instagram and was just, hey, I've never been around an affirming community but I like really love God, but I also really love this girl. Mm. What do I do? My family's super anti-gay. Like people that I've never met wow. are contacting me and I get to do that whole process again of walking through like, this is what the church has told you. This is how I've come to understand these specific passages. Mm. This is how I came to affirm not just like my identity as a queer person, but also marriage love the other things the other rights that come with it yeah um because I, I think what's interesting now with my family of even the people who aren't fully affirming of me affirm my identity but it's more of like what am i allowed to do about it am i allowed to get married am i allowed to be in relationship do i have to be celibate mm. my entire life which 
sorry, folks, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's some people called, and I'm so proud of them, but it ain't me. It ain't, it ain't me. Yeah. It ain't me. It's all good. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, the, even like New Testament, right? Like, um, people who were who were starting to follow this new movement of these Jesus followers were involved in all kinds of weird cultish behavior and all kinds of kinky stuff. Yes. So when it's talking about those things, it's not just like saying, you know, homosexuality, but they were doing all kinds of stuff. Totally. <laughs> but then this word, right, that has become so attached to like a person's identity has not right. been used to like be a generalization for all that stuff. Okay. And that's like where the miscommunication happens, where right. they're like, oh, even though it meant all that like crazy stuff that's happening, they zeroed in on on the person, yeah, the identity, yeah, the, the, so. like huge orgies and like with yeah. children and like not rape great things, and, right? Yeah, like right. Yeah, yeah. I would probably condemn most of that stuff too just of like <laughs> we want to protect our children like yeah. there are important things to to say here and make those distinctions but i think all too often we kind of want theology to be easy mm. we want to be able to understand it right we want to be able to grasp like this very strange concept of a universal god who is all loving and yet still has this element of judgment mm. and i grew up with a pretty judgmental version of God. Right. I wasn't really fully aware of God's radical love until much later. Yeah. And when that became the focus, my entire vision of Christianity shifted of my faith. My experience with God was informing how I was reading the Bible versus the Bible telling me how I was ex to experience God right. or to experience life. And I think that's the important distinction of the Bible can't be an idol. It was written in specific contexts right. by time. men, time, history, like rewrites. That's what also got me in the deconstruction process was like, I think of the priests who are like in their monastery and they had to copy word for word before mm. printing press and all of that. They were known, especially the Jesuits for their, uh, drinking of wine they're very good at it they get a gold star <laughs> gold star but i i would be the priest who's like copying stuff over and be like you know what Oops. i want to i want to enjoy tonight like yeah. i'm just gonna throw you know three back but then i'm like miss up a word and for that yes like there's there's truth and there's meaning in this tradition that we've carried for so long but also like you gotta be intentional with looking at it yeah you can't just read it and be like well that's what it says that's what it work. means yeah. yeah like the work of reclamation is so much harder than just throwing the bible out sometimes i get in those moods on wednesday i was in that yeah, mood you were i was in like mood. i just want to throw the whole thing out just like run over it with my car just wipe my hands of it but and bob brought it back to the bob sacred brought it text. back he he reminded me <laughs> And y'all, I'm in seminary, so I know, but <laughs> brought it back of like, there is this beauty to do the right. work, but work is hard right. and we don't always want to do that, especially when we have lives and things happen and there's things in the world that we're just attempting to understand. Especially us as Americans, like we, our yes. theology is so quick, like, you know, it's, we prepackaged it's it. fast food. Fast food theology. It's yeah. not this... 
sit down, lament, let's co-create, work. Like, yes. Yeah. And your like, hands dirty. Totally. And jumping into worship, I see that especially in the mega churches I come from, where it is, it's like, what is the most like quick, easy, digestible yeah. thing that we can package up? And it's usually songs of like joy and right. how great is our God? Yes, right. but where are the songs of lament? Right. Where are the songs talking about pain, pain and injustice, like real things? Sorrow. I don't want to check half of my being at the door just to show up as this cookie cutter Christian whose life is now perfect because I believe in God. Like I've experienced that. Nobody wants that. Nobody is that. I want to be a part of a congregation that is okay exposing wounds and mm. allowing each other to help wrap those up as we do our healing process. Um, and that's going to happen at different rates. People will come in and out of that process. It's not going to be for everyone, but I'd so much rather be a part of a community that drops F-bombs in small group and <laughs> talks about how terrible the world is right now. Then so we dropped three F-bombs F in a row. Three F-bombs in a row. It's all different people too. That's when you know it's good. I mean, it was one from me, one from you, one from Ryan. I think so. The yeah. Pastor. Like might as well. Just <laughs> Pastor Kirk. I've, I've sworn in a sermon before y'all. Like I'm not perfect. I... Again, unconventional. And yeah. I think that is the space of the future of church. Mm. It yeah. has to be. It was today. Yes. Church was what we had today. Exactly. A protest. Yes. With everybody, mm -hmm. white people, brown people, black people. And it was, we expressed that sorrow. We named it. We named the sin. And then there was times of joy. There was times of laughing. We were playing Aretha Franklin, Ari, respect, as we're marching back down towards the church. Great hands, come on. And some chants, and you know what I mean. And Ryan wanted me to throw in some "F the Police," but I didn't. I didn't add that in the in the in the playlist. Next time, next time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's everything. It's all of that. It's not, you know, we're not gonna deny what's really happening in our humanity. Like we we're we're calling it. Or embracing it. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's funny that uh, you said that um, the uh, atonement theory is what like the thread that started to get pulled for you. Because for me, it was it was. Yeah, for me, it was just I came to this place where it was like, what? It, why do I even believe this? Like, I didn't I like I was so over it. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to take the full deep dive. Yeah, deep I was like, yeah, exactly. But it was, it, it kind of was gradual. But yeah, when I got to that point, it was like, this is stupid. I don't even believe this, you know? Yep. But then I wanted to know, why do I believe this? So I started to read the Bible, um, quote unquote, academically. I always say quote unquote, or air quotes, because I'm a high school dropout. So, but <clears throat> thank God that I had people in my life who were helping me steer me in that direction. And I just started to read it in a more like, you know, historical critiquing kind of way and <clears throat> that's that's really how it all started for me yeah it's just reading and understanding these scriptures in context and i was like whoa and everything just opened up whole different it's a whole different world yeah um and that was a process that was a long process years just years of struggling with this struggling with that um i think th there was a quite a few like little threads for mm -hmm. me 
like Genesis was one, one of the main ones. Yes. <laughs> the creation. Creation story. Yeah, the yeah. creation story. And um, uh, the rapture was yes. the one of the other ones. Because I was, I, I talked about it on the podcast, but I it literally traumatized me as a child. Did like, you ever watch Left Behind? Of, no, I watched some crazy ass movies before oh, Left boy. Behind. No, 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 no. When I was a kid, they had these like D D grade movies, Christian movies. Well, no, actually, they were pretty good because they would show people get their heads chopped off. Shoot. Yeah, and I'm like for it. six years old watching this, thinking I'm gonna get my head chopped off. <laughs> So and my, terrible. Yeah, my parents are going to be taken away, and I'm all by myself. And I literally had trauma because of that. And I had a, I had to see a therapist when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but actually, I did, actually didn't see the therapist because of that. I had other trauma. Um, but that was part of it. I remember being a kid, just being freaked out that I was going to always be left with the rapture. But come to find out, the parousia doesn't mean. It, it's just literally we're, it's a going out to greet and welcoming back into the the city mm-hmm. um and so i was like oh, what a relief <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah then i started reading dangerous people like rob bell and you know what i mean and scary. ooh, scary love wins oh my god god is a loving god really <laughs> what are a- you sure <laughs> yeah right like but that's the see that's the issue though is that people don't even realize that some of the things that they learned was actually this really abusive picture of a God, right? Yeah. Of things like that, of traumatizing heads getting chopped off, whatever else it ha- might have played out for other people. That That is not something that any, I think, sane human would subscribe to. That's so fear-based. Right. There's so much there that I hope we're not continuing to perpetuate in a new understanding of who God is, because that's terrifying. Right. Yeah, like we're going to be left behind and we're going to go through hell Right. <laughs> but then to be able to reshape it and take a new understanding of what like heaven on earth means right. or what an end of the world apocalypse, right? And even Ryan's sermon about apocalypse and what that means of revelation, yeah. what that means that we can be having these kinds of revelations all throughout our life that heaven on earth just means looking like justice. Mm. That's a whole different ball game because also I think part of, at least from where I came from, there's such a focus on heaven. It's right. just, we have to get everybody in. Right. We just got to do everything we can that's the, to that's share the this goal. gospel. Yeah. So that way when you die, you go to heaven, you, go to heaven and you avoid hell. But along Somewhere along the way, so many people were getting left behind, not because they didn't want to participate in faith or belong to God. It's that humans decided that they had every right to say, these are the people that are in and these are the people that are out. And we're going to condemn you even here on earth. Right. Like, that's a real picture of hell for me. Mm. Injustice people dying in the streets because of the color of their skin, LGBTQ kids suffering so much that they want to end their their life. That is a picture of everything that God is against, at least in my definition now. So how do we then seek out a Christianity, a faith, however you might find yourself in a definition of that, that does reflect love, that does reflect 
moving forward. But then you're still holding all of that trauma, all of that pain, and not given any space to work through that. Right, right. And being okay with not having all of the answers. Because you're never going to. Yeah, yeah. Like we were always... Well, the Bible says this about this, and it's very clear about this, you know, and it's like, really, you know, Um, so I'm okay with like not knowing I'm okay with the uncertainty because now I just feel like, okay, I can just trust that God is going to do it. I think it's a lot braver to have a faith that says, I don't know, than to say I have figured it out. Yeah. Even the Sunday with talking about tr- the Trinity and what yeah, that all looks is Trinity like. Sunday. Trinity Sunday. Oh yeah, it is Sunday right. still. Um, I will be honest. I don't know how the Trinity works. I will try to explain it using a fidget spinner, <laughs> but that's still a very small picture of what it could look like. And so to be able to say, especially as someone who like is leading in ministry, I don't know. Let's try to look together. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a better picture of what presence and like a ministry of presence looks like than being the person at the podium who says, I have been yeah. given authority by God to yeah. say that I have figured it all out. And if you don't believe this, then you don't belong here. Yeah. Right. What? That's what I love about Mission Hills. It's like the polar opposite. Yes. <laughs> like how many times have Ryan's come up and just be like, hey, y'all. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on with this. Yes. With this text. And, uh, you know, we just wrestle with it. Just yes. sit with it. You know, um, I really appreciate that. Um, and I also appreciate a beer drinking F-bomb dropping past. <laughs> yes. We stand very hard. <laughs> but I, uh, I think, like, if if ministry is about teaching people how to be in relationship with one another at its core, right? Sure, it's about spirituality and giving a word from the Bible or from our life experience. Like, shouldn't we be doing life together as it actually is and not just this version of it where we all paint ourselves a certain way and try to come across as a really good Christian to get brownie points from I don't know who, Jesus maybe, I don't think that's how he works, but you know, his cronies. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but. So Kelly, going forward, um, you are, you're in San Diego and you come out to mission Hills. Well, once we start to meet again, hopefully you're saying maybe every, making the drive, making the drive. Um, so you're getting ready to start a, a re- residency in, at a hospital as a chaplain. Correct. Yeah. So I'm, Since I'm still in seminary, I'm exploring what ministry will look like for me in particular. I've always found myself in, again, those unconventional spaces, whether it was starting affirming worship, uh, a worship event for LGBTQ people in a gay bar. Yes. Complete with a stripper pole. Yes. We'll get back to her. (laughs) Um, Or in a space like a hospital bed. Um, I don't just see myself you know, being at the front of a church preaching every single Sunday. I think there's, I love, I love so much what I'm doing at Mission Hills right now, just because of the community too. It's the people make it. Um, But I'm excited to explore what ministry might look like 
yeah. outside of that setting too. So I'll be doing a year at Sharp Hospital exploring chaplaincy, which for anyone who doesn't know what a chaplain is, there's a lot of different versions. There's a lot of different <laughs> training that comes for uh, not, chaplains. Not mine. <laughs> not, not quite your experience. Um, but it it it's kind of like a cross between an emotional support dog and like a spiritual advisor wow. and just like someone to sit in the pit of despair with you. Wow. And for some nights it might look like comforting a family who's lost a loved one. Other times it's helping someone who's having an anxiety attack at 3 a.m. Yeah. For other people, they really want to hear their favorite hymn song mm. as they are facing their next cancer treatment. You never quite know what the day is going to bring you. And that's kind of why I love it. Wow. So I'll get to explore that while also still participating at Mission Hills um, and really holding on to that community because you don't find a church like that everywhere. Yeah. You just right. can't. So I'm excited to explore what that all looks like. Um, I've had a vision of planting a house church um, post-seminary and once I've completed my degree because I love the idea of living together and like being this strange eclectic community community that not everyone might be a Christian, but how awesome it might be to open that conversation yeah. up even more. Wow. Well, God bless you. I'm so glad that our paths cross. Um, yes. So I just love you. I love everything you do. Um, as we close, I love that you said that like even, even, greater as like just us as jesus followers if we can be that people who sits with people in the pit of despair mm -hmm. um it's i mean that's everything it's everything like what you're doing is literally god's work you know and i think that's our call for all of us is to be out there in that pit of despair with our with our brothers who are being you know our black brothers and sisters who are being killed yeah. By a system that, you know, has obviously been set up against them and it seems like actively hunting. But, <clears throat> you know, if we if we can get out of ourselves and be that people to sit in that despair. You don't have to be a pastor to right. have a ministry of presence. Yeah, It might look like showing up at a protest. Right. It might look like sitting next to a friend who's crying in their stairwell. It might look like accompanying someone in a really hard moment and not trying to rush them, not trying to force them to think positively about it. Yeah. I think some of the greatest advice I've received is to don't like don't rush your healing. Mm. You can't. Don't rush your deconstruction. Mm. Don't rush trying to be the best ally, right? Like I think you can apply it to so many things of it's going to take time. Yeah. But if you do, how much sweeter, how much more beautiful it might be. Wow. I want to put you on the spot. You just said if somebody wants to hear their favorite hymn. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Bring it on. <laughs> Give me something. We'll close with that. Okay. Um, Whatever you want. You have a beautiful voice. Let's hear it. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, I put a recording of this behind a video I've made. Um, of the protests in San Diego. Wow, I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't get nervous anymore. I'm a professional. There's, there's nobody in here. We're I in know, the trap house. <laughs> just you. Um, but I, I put 
behind that video a recording um, of actually my college campus ministry doing an acapella version of Amazing Grace. Mm. So I will, I'll sing the first verse of that. Go for it. Can I grab some water before I do that though? Yeah, let me, let me, let me get you some water. Just cause I'm Room a little uh, parched. Room temperature or? Golden. Unscripted. I'm nasally. I'm sorry about it. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Beautiful. <laughs> I put a little reverb on you. I heard it. I heard it halfway through. <laughs> oh, man, that was beautiful. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm so glad we got to sit down. Thank you for coming out today. Um, thanks for having lunch with us. We had, we had a full day today. Full day. Full day. Now we hey. gotta prove it. Hey. Hey. <laughs> We're gonna end it with Mark. Come on. Mark Ribley. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Catch us on the next on the next episode. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Trying to kill y'all.